Hello, this is Jesse Weiler from Adorama's Bulletin. This week, I sat down with Adoramus' editor, Christopher Carsons, to talk about an upcoming conference of ours in California. This conference will cover the spirituality of the Triduum, and it will be in Covina, California on March 14th in partnership with Virgin Most Powerful Radio. If you're interested in attending this conference, I will put details in the show notes. So without further ado, an interview with Christopher Carsons. I'm here with Chris Carstens. Jesse. Chris, how's it going? Good. Good to be with you on this. I've heard your uh, interviews uh, for us, for Adoramus. Um, thanks for the invitation to let me be, be on one. This is the first time that you let me let you be on the podcast. So <laughs> It might be the last. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real honor for you. Um, so, uh, Chris, I've been reading about, the, first of all, I've been reading in, in Adoramus that you have this upcoming conference for uh, the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be going out to California, mm-hmm. uh, and you're going to be giving this conference with Anthony Lillis yes. and Father Fessio. That's right. Uh, about the Triduum and the spirituality of the Triduum, yeah. which sounds awesome, yeah. which is also, uh, you have a book coming out on the Triduum. I want to yes. make sure people know that. Yeah, that's right. From a Sophia Institute Press uh, devotional journey into the Easter mystery. And so that book also will be there and has been a big help in uh, uh, in putting together this uh, presentation, too. Yeah, but it's a good conference. Uh, uh, t- uh, man named Terry Barber, who's uh, on our board of Adoramus, uh, invited me out to come uh, and to give a presentation uh, at his uh, uh, location there in uh, Covina, California. And uh, it'll begin, the day will begin with uh, Father uh, Joseph Fessio of Ignatius Press. And Father Fessio also is a board member of uh, Adoramus. So it's, it'll be good to be there uh, with him too. And then uh, Anthony Lillis, Dr. Anthony Lillis, uh, uh, is a dean at the uh, St. Patrick's Seminary in Menlo Park, California, which is, um, listen, I'm just a Nebraska guy. So all, the, all these places uh, that are not in blocky states. Confusing. California is a very big state. Yeah, yeah. So he, he works for the, the seminary in uh, San Francisco there as the dean. And so he, the three of us, uh, Father Fessio and Dr. Lillis and me, will be uh, presenting on uh, the spirituality of the Triduum. This is a real trifecta we got going on. Uh, that's a good one, yeah. Now, I've heard uh, Dr. Lillis speak, mm-hmm. and I've obviously heard you speak, but I haven't heard from Father Fessio. Mm-hmm. Um, what is he going to be speaking out specifically? I think uh, he's going to give us a general introduction uh, to prayer and praying with Christ and how we can encounter Christ uh, in uh, personal prayer, but I think particularly uh, liturgical prayer. So. The hope is he's going to set up Dr. Lillis and I for success uh, <laughs> so that when we get into uh, talking about the liturgi- uh, liturgical spirituality and praying the Triduum liturgies, um, you know, all of this, we, Catholics go to various liturgies, whether they're at the Triduum, you know, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, the Easter Vigil, or, or other times as well. And whether we're praying well or poorly, I think everyone would think that uh, he or she could at least pray better. And that's what we want to help people to do. Well, uh, I would regret not diving in a little bit to this because I'm very interested in myself. And I've heard you speak a bit about this, but Mm -hmm. I'm just curious, what's different about the Triduum liturgies than our every Sunday? I mean, obviously, the, the Paschal Mystery is really there and present in a, in a super tremendous way in the Easter Triduum. But 
what what is praying the Triduum liturgies? Why is that different than let's say a, a ferial day or a solemnity? Yeah, you know Sunday I, solemnity. Sure, I think I'd back up just a little bit and say you know some of the um, it's kind of a two pronged uh, genesis to this project, and the first one comes from a line from John Paul II in a letter he wrote in. A long time ago, I think in uh, two th- yeah two thousand and he wrote a lot of letters. He, he wrote a lot. I of hope things. you get this right. It was on the the fortieth anniversary of Sacrosanctum Concilium, so that would be two thousand three, I think. And uh, it's called Spiritus et Sponsa, and at the end he talks about uh, a liturgical spirituality. He says at the beginning of this millennium, may a liturgical spirituality be developed that makes people aware that Christ is the primary liturgist, the first liturgist who's continually celebrating his paschal mystery in the church and in the world to under the praise of God the Father with the Holy Spirit. And so that's a line, and we've talked about this on Liturgy Guys podcasts mm-hmm. and elsewhere, what is meant by a liturgical spirituality? And how would it compare to say like Carmelite spirituality or Jesuit spirituality or Opus Dei spirituality? And so that's going to form the foundation for what Dr. Lillis and I talk about is unpacking what John Paul meant by a liturgical spirituality. Now, this leads in then to the question you initially ask, why associate it with the Triduum? And the reason is, and you know, a liturgical spirituality is a year round thing, but of all of the liturgies that the church celebrates and that we get to participate in throughout the year, I mean, the it's the, the triduum liturgies that are foundational. They're, you know, to, to adapt a phrase, they're the source and summit of all other liturgies throughout the year. So you mentioned the Paschal Mystery of Jesus before, mm-hmm. and that's the reality of everything liturgical. But it is present, this Paschal Mystery, in a superlative way during the triduum. So the thinking is, if we want to cultivate a liturgical spirituality, what better place than at the Triduum? Because on Holy Thursday and Good Friday and the Easter Vigil, so many of these things that we would see throughout the year are on even fuller display over those three days. The place of the cross, the liturgy, think of the adoration of the cross on Good Friday, or the liturgy of the word. Think of the nine readings that take place at the Easter Vigil. Or uh, the Eucharist, you know, our spirituality. Or in the all Eucharist. the processions through sure. the whole three days. Oh, they're all over the place, and so it's really a rich field where we can, uh, I don't know, dig around in and uh, found and ground this liturgical spirituality. And that's the idea. We want it to to have an effect in people's lives, not just for three days out of the year, but if you can shore up your liturgical spirituality during the triduum, it will last throughout the year. Well, that, that was going to lead me to my next question is, I mean, if that exists and if that's a, something that we can access and experience, why do we only do it once a year? Hmm. Yeah. Well, we, why do we only do the triduum once a year? Or, yeah. Well, it's, um, it's a matter of time, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> Think of it this way. We'd lose a lot of people. Uh, we, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, each day, the church's um, uh, timepiece, imagine like a, a clock, you know, or a watch, you know. Uh, in, if you take off the, the face of the watch, you see all these different gears and mechanisms and sprockets and flywheels and whatnot. And it seems that the, t- the church is trying to tell Paschal mystery time. And if you take off her watch face, you see three principal measures of time. You have 
uh, the day, which is divided up into various hours. And at the center of the day, in the middle of this flywheel, if you want to put it that way, is you have the Eucharist. But then you have these extensions going out on the wheel, and these are the various hours of the day. The liturgy of the, the liturgy hours. The liturgy of the hours, right. right. Now, the next sort of division or element of time is the week. So you have a week, and it has different days. It's rooted in Sunday. That's kind of the center. But then you have these other days that kind of protrude away, you know, solemnities and feasts and memorials and optional memorials and weekdays and all of the rest. And the third wheel is the liturgical year. I've been at third wheel several times. <laughs> the liturgical year similarly is centered upon the Paschal mystery, but it too has these various liturgical seasons, Advent, Christmas, Lent, Easter, ordinary time. Now imagine you put all three of those wheels together and they work together and the time that it's going to tell and sacramentalize and reveal to us is the time of the Paschal mystery. So, you know, just as, so to your question, why don't we do this more often? It's, um, it's a matter of time, is that the year is centered on the Paschal mystery and the week is centered on the Sunday Eucharist, the Sunday celebration, and the day is uh, centered upon the Mass. And so you can celebrate three Masses in a day, or you could have a Sunday, and you don't have two Sundays in a week. You know, so it's all a matter of the church organizing uh, the time that's around us. Just like you know, every hour, that minute is approaching the same place that it started. Mm -hmm. It's you know, it's not in the same place that it was, but it's recalling what it once was when it was at the number mm -hmm. twelve at the top of your watch. Yeah. Is kind of how we're repeating this cycle through the liturgical calendar. Yeah, what you know, what the church says about her calendar too is you know every triduum, while in many ways the same as those that went before is also different from those that came before because you're different and I'm different and your family's different and your neighbor's different and somebody's passed away and other people are born. But even for a single person, the Triduum is a different experience uh, each year with, you know, with different insights. And that's what's so great again about the Triduum is there, there's so much to encounter. There's so much to see and smell and hear and all of the rest. And, you know, depending on our dispositions, uh, we do that uh, better or worse. And we really see this is about fine tuning our dispositions to pray the liturgy, the triduum in a way that's as fruitful as possible you know, to change, change your life, change your family's life, change the life in your city and your state and in the world and all the rest. That's that's how it's supposed to work anyway. And that's what we want to be a part of. So going back to this idea of time, I've heard you speak about this before, but not only is there's this liturgical time, but there's this uh, cause time of the cosmos and the, of the natural and organic. I mean, in fact, we're figuring out when Easter happens, depending on when there's a full moon at a certain time. And so can you speak a little bit about how that how how the triduum is affected by the cosmos? Oh, yeah, it's it's uh, the insights here are really fantastic. And again, they're not my insights. They're just they're the churches. It's so great. You know, I might start with um, uh, an observation that Pope Benedict makes in his book, The Spirit of the Liturgy. And again, it's, it didn't originate with him, but it's something he, he speaks clearly about. He says, in many religions, uh, they are simply cosmic. They just go on the cycles of, of nature. Whereas other religions are more historical and linear. They have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And he says, Christianity is essentially both. It's incorporating these cosmic elements and sort of overlaying them with uh, uh, the life of Christ. And so what the cosmos is saying to us, to us Catholics at this time of year, 
you know, during March, you have, for example, the Aries constellation, the ram, right? And it's this ram that's trying to, let me put it this way, twinkle out, Lamb of God, Lamb of God, Lamb of God. You have uh, the sun and its light, right? So when, uh, when Christ was born around the, the um, winter solstice, the sun and the daylight, at least in the northern hemisphere, is at its weakest point, but it starts to grow and it starts to grow until finally daytime and nighttime are the same. This is at the spring equinox, equinox. okay? And this is right around when Easter happens. You know, and even the moon is saying something, right? So the word, um, you know, lunatic comes from the word moon because, I mean, what happens when the moon is full is when your your kids are uh, uh, ill-behaved and things like that. Absolutely. Right? And so um, 14 Nissan, when, when uh, Easter would take place, it would be at the, 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 the full power of the moon. But as soon as Christ rises from the dead, that moon falls away and it loses its power. And of course, even the earth is coming back, uh, back to life, you know, uh, Springtime, springtime, we sure. see growth and, and beautiful. Sure, whether it's flowers or grass or animals or right. something like that. So here you have the stars, the sun, the moon, and the earth. They're all trying to say to attentive ears the mystery of Christ's Paschal mystery: how the Lamb of God overcomes the darkness and brings new light and conquers sickness and sin and death. So what you see in the liturgical calendar, and we'll talk about some of these things at, uh, at the conference, is how Christ, the creator of the cosmos, uh, it, you know, the cosmos was made to worship him and they're trying to worship him. They, they're, uh, what, what's the expression? They're, um, they're held hostage waiting for the revelation of uh, the sons of God to show up and give voice to what they're doing. There's a great, think of the, think of the Paschal candle uh, made by the, the, the wax of the colony of bees. And so we take- Yeah, at least 50%, right? <laughs> so 100% for that one, actually. Oh, oh yeah. there you go. Right, because creation and salvation history are coming together in this uh, worship of God. So yeah, the liturgical calendar is a fascinating thing and there's a lot to be said about it around the Triduum. What a gift that is from God because you know, he allows us to really experience this, not just in linear time, but like you said, this, this time of cosmos Mm -hmm. and he allows us that extra like 4d experience Mm -hmm. where it's not just, you know, the Sunday liturgy. He said, Nope, we're going to have everything fully revealed. And not only that, everything around you and your environment and everything that you can experience as a human being, both inside and outside of the liturgy is going to be pointing towards what's happening. And uh, it's almost like uh, so obvious that, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like we really, really have to be able to see these things working. Well, I like that expression. It's like 4D. But see, this is what a liturgical spirituality forms in us. Because if you don't have that liturgical spirituality, then you don't see it. You see it in 2D. Uh, And it's blurry and it's dull and it's not life-changing or anything. But if we can, like the Holy Father said, you know, foster this liturgical spirituality that sees the Paschal mystery of Christ, celebrated today for the glory of the Father in union with the Holy Spirit in the world, along with the church, made visible through these magnificent signs and symbols, yes, that's when the liturgy starts to pop and starts to take on really great meaning. And, you know, I I think too too few Catholics see it that way. We want to help them see it that way, and that's what it's about. Last question. Yeah. Uh, 
as a as a liturgiologist, I know that you understand how hard it is to quantify things sometimes. However, I'm going to ask a quantifying question, and that is, uh, in terms of active participation and what's going on during the Easter Triduum, uh, am, am I getting more graces? Am I able to actively participate in a better way than I would on a regular Sunday because of all of this? Or is it the same, but I just see it more clearly? I think the answer is that there is the possibility of much more grace during the Triduum liturgies than there are throughout the year. Because the reality of Christ's Paschal Mystery, which is the same reality throughout the year, is being made available to the church in so many more ways. Right uh, through, I mean, I mean, when at a Sunday mass you might have a baptism, when you have a confirmation, when you have people receiving their first Holy Communion, and even these other sacramental elements, you know, the Paschal candle and the holy the adoration water of the and cross. the palms and the adoration of the cross. Those are all occasions for and the, grace. And the emptying of the tabernacle and all of everything. Yeah, See, so that's much. just it. There, there, there is so much. There is so much. So I think objectively speaking, the church offers a, her, her, her members, her children, more occasions for grace. And I think too, in terms of our participation, you know, it's, it's a time, if we can enter this with a proper disposition, then the grace that we do receive, whether it's quantifiable as more or less, will certainly be more fruitful for all of us. Well, this is fascinating, and I would love to keep talking, but I don't want people to feel like they don't have to go to this conference in Covina, California. So this conference, March 14th? March 14th. And uh, where can they register for this? Yeah, it's uh, most of the information you can find on the Otteramus uh, uh, websites, uh, on the Otteramus website, excuse me, or uh, at uh, virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Okay, so that's, uh, you can go to their site, and they're hosting the registration information. So there's more information there, and that's where you can actually sign up for it. Great, and don't forget to... Uh your, your book comes out in a few days, right? Yeah, the middle of early to mid-February. And then you have another book coming out with liturgy training publications. Yeah. So I forgot uh, to mention that. Yeah, called uh, Principles of Sacred Liturgy, Forming a Sacramental Vision. But the same sort of thing. It's with a sacramental vision, you can really start to see what's there. And that's when liturgy becomes more fruitful for us. Great, Chris. Thank you so much. And I'll have to ask the uh, head honcho at Adoramus if I can have you back on one of these. I don't know what he's going to say, but yeah, this has been a real joy. Yeah, thanks, Jesse. Just don't make it a habit. <laughs>